Welcome to the Jack Duff Lee Show, a weekly podcast exploring investing, real estate, the markets, law, technology, and everything in between. Here's your host, Jack Duff Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I apologize for the delay in getting out another episode. I've actually been very busy in finalizing a book that I have been writing the last few months and I'm finally getting close to actually publishing it at the end of August. Now I actually need your help in finalizing that draft for those of you who don't know already. It's a book about real estate investing and specifically it's called The One Property Retirement where the gist of it is you buy one pretty large property using a low down payment owner-occupied loan hold that property for 30 years, pay off that loan, and then all of a sudden you have this nice little nest egg and a perpetual income stream to replace your IRA and 401k portfolio or supplement it depending on your strategy. It's a new look at a pretty old time strategy that is buy and hold a rental investing. And I think it could be helpful for beginners in real estate or those just looking for a different way to Uh, supplement their retirement plan or even replace it depending on how they like the strategy. But I do need your help in finalizing that draft and I need people to join my early readers list. You'll actually be able to take a look at the early draft that I have right now and I'd love to get your feedback to see what you think the book needs in, in new content, adjusting content if it needs any tweaks or maybe it doesn't need anything at all. I would love to get your feedback and if you do help me out, you'll actually get a free copy of the final draft of the book when I actually finish. So you do get a little something there and I would definitely appreciate it if you join. Just go ahead and head on head on over to my website at jackduffley.com slash OPR book. That's one property retirement. So jackduffley.com slash OPR book. And this is also a reminder to leave a review on iTunes and to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. And your support will always help this show spread to new audiences, and I would be very grateful for that as always. Well, anyways, today I wanted to talk about the dangerous game that the federal government and the Fed are playing. In short, they're trying to use massive amounts of debt and government spending to try and prop up the economy. But what they're really trying to do whether they realize it or not, is trying to reinflate a bubble. Now, what's a bubble? Some of us are familiar with bubbles. When we think of bubbles, we think of the housing crisis back in 2005 up to 2008 when it crashed, where real estate prices were absolutely out of control and they were rising for really no other reason other than rampant speculation. People were getting access to loans that they had no business getting access to. And there was just this massive drive and demand for real estate And a lot of it was built on people expecting to turn really quick profits using their massive amounts of debt. Again, they shouldn't have been able to get approved for in the first place. And it just drove asset prices in the real estate space up way beyond what they should have ever been. And then, of course, that bubble popped as people started defaulting on their loans. And it created this uh, domino effect where banks were (laughs) basically, banks were over leveraged too. They didn't have the reserves to actually cover many of these loans that they did and then these loans were part of different insurance packages but that's kind of beyond the the, the point of this uh, the, the point is that there was a bubble in real estate prices the bubble popped because of a variety of circumstances but mainly that people just were unable to pay off the debt that they had over over leveraged themselves with so real estate prices came crashing way down and kind of hit their uh, bottom in 2009, 10, and even 11. And then they've, what's interesting is that that real estate bubble 
has essentially been reinflated. The Fed has been printing tons of money to pay for all of the deficits that the federal government has run for the last decade and a half, if, well, really for the last many decades, uh, uh, besides the Clinton administration, which had the, the one year of uh, positive budget, so you didn't necessarily have as much fiscal, uh, fiscal and monetary policy propping things up compared to now, because right now the government brings in far less than it actually pays out which is a problem for the long term. There's just no other way to spin that. People can advocate for things like modern monetary theory, where the Federal Reserve will pay for whatever debt that the federal government throws at it. And that sounds good if, if, if you're just looking at if you're just looking at whoever's selling it to you, then yeah, it sounds great. Oh yeah, you can just print away your problems. Why wouldn't anyone do that? Well, the problem is governments have tried that. Governments have tried just printing away everything, and you run into hyperinflation or rapid devaluation of currency to where prices rise too quickly, and it just creates this runaway effect where prices rise out of control, people's purchasing power gets destroyed, and life savings are annihilated because cash becomes worthless by the day, or if not the hour in extreme cases. So there's no such thing as unlimited printing that's actually beneficial. Now, some would argue that any printing is a problem because it's just debasing the currency. And debasing the currency makes it worth less. And why would we want our currency to worth less, to be worth less? Well, there are some advantages to having a weaker currency, mainly that stronger currencies against it can actually help, uh, can actually buy more of that weaker currency and they can buy more goods from us. So it's good for exporters. So if a country's trying to export, they would want a weaker currency relative to other currencies and but that's really at a much more that's at a much smaller level than something like quantitative easing where you're printing right now trillions of dollars the fed has slowed down its printing barrage in recent weeks but it's still just at an unprecedentedly large level that the federal reserve has been printing money to buy u.s debt and we, we know the consequences of all this printing and the risks associated with taking out this amount of debt that will then eventually be monetized by the Federal Reserve, and they'll just print it, print it to make the debt go away, essentially. But it's not as though no one bears a cost in that. The cost is either inflation over time, or even very quickly, or higher taxes in the future. But it's not, that's really more in the medium to long term, at least that's how politicians uh, operate. And that's kind of why, why we lead to this situation at all. Why would a politician want to do this if we knew the long-term effects are bad for something like this, which they are? Well, the problem is we run on elections. Politicians are not in their office permanently. We're in an election year right now. And as, and as it's been said many times before, you never let a good crisis go to waste when you're in politics. And this is a premier example of that. The government doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be the one that just sits on its hands and tries to let things sort itself out, let the bubble deflate, and let asset prices normalize, and then get back on your feet after that. The government does not want that, because there's a lot of hardship in that. Letting a bubble deflate is, it sounds easier than it is, but it, it causes a lot of pain, because people buy into the bubble. That's why there's a bubble. And the government is one of those one of those instruments that buys into the bubble as well, in many ways. Um, since they're taking out all this cheap debt to pay for operations, and that's very expensive when you actually have to pay it off. So you have this short-term interest 
in trying to prop asset prices up, whether that be for corporations, whether that be for people's pensions, people's 401ks, uh, or just a blind faith in the U.S. economy trying to prop that up and consumer confidence, as they like to say. So you have that short-term drive to prop this up as high as it possibly can and a practical disregard for the medium to long run because, as John Maynard Keynes would say, in the long run, we're all dead. So who cares? We're just going to focus on the short run and just keep printing and printing and printing. Look how high the stock market has gone. Wow, this is so great. But it's not that anything new is being produced. People's quality of life isn't actually any better. If anything, it's much worse than a few months ago, despite all of the spending and printing. And sure, maybe it's helped a few people for a very short period of time, like a month or two, but all that's happening is the can is being kicked down the road. You're just letting this problem compound on itself, letting the debt build even bigger, not only the national debt, but also consumer debt. People are taking out debt because it's so cheap, which is what the Fed's trying to do when it lowers interest rate. It's It wants people to buy or to take out debt so that they can buy things or basically just keep asset prices high, including homes, uh, cars, and anything that a person would use debt for, including credit cards, really. And that's what the Federal Reserve is trying to do there. It wants to prop up spending by keeping money very cheap. That's for businesses as well, not just consumers. It wants businesses to take out lots of debt, which they have. And the problem with that is interest rates have been low for 20 years now, if not longer. So we've had 20 years of super cheap debt at the federal level and then at the business level and also at the consumer level. So people have used tons of debt to buy things, whether they need them or not, and they don't always produce a positive return economically, but th those things need to pay be paid down at some point. It's part of the, the debt cycle, as it's called. And when someone takes out debt at, at, at the beginning of a certain time period, they have to pay it off eventually out of their future earnings or whatever they're using that debt for it's not as though the debt gets it's not it's not as though you can take out the debt and then it just disappears because you happen to print a few dollars all you've done with that debt is you've spread it into inflation and that sort of thing you've you haven't eliminated the the cost of the debt you've just changed it in its name it's now inflation rather than high taxes or or lower government spending so this is becoming a massive massive problem it was already big before this crisis but the national debt is ballooning. The Fed's balance sheet is ballooning with the national debt, staying right with it. And the Fed doesn't really show many signs of stopping, though its its spending, its uh, printing bonanza has slowed down a bit in the last couple of weeks. As I mentioned, its balance sheet has actually dropped just a little bit in the past couple of weeks. So maybe they'll be uh, they'll be unwinding. But the problem is that the Fed unwinds now and they sell off all the all the stuff they have on their balance sheet. You're just going to cause a crash. Because this rise was caused by printing. So by taking away the printing and taking away the, the stuff on the balance sheet, you would get rid of that artificial rise you created. Again, the rise is not based on anything of real value. The rise is solely based on printing and devaluing the currency and creating this false sense of security among investors who are now blindly investing into the market because the Fed is actually buying corporate bonds and treasuries directly, corporate bonds, which they've never supposed to have been able to buy. They're, they're only empowered to buy government-backed securities, but now they're buying corporate securities directly, and they just released some of the uh, the corporate bonds that they've bought directly. S some of them are from 
uh, companies that are totally well off. You got Microsoft in there, Berkshire Hathaway, among others. Why, why is the Federal Reserve bailing out highly profitable companies whose stock value, by the way, has risen tremendously before they started buying these stocks directly? or these bonds directly. We'll see if they buy stocks directly soon. I, I'd, ima I'd imagine they would because no one's stopping them with bonds. So why don't you just start buying uh, corporate stock, not just corporate debt? So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But there's this total conflict where the government is supposed to try and, or at least I think, the government is supposed to try and build the long-term health of the nation. It's supposed to put people... Gen generations in a better position compared to the last one. But what it's doing and what it has been doing for a long time is it's just been putting us right now in a better position at the expense of future generations. It's totally backwards. It, sh it should be the opposite way, that we're actually building a better future for future generations. Not that we're basically stealing from the future generation if that's not still us if we don't if we have to pay off this debt in the next 20 to 30 years we'll see what happens but uh, the debt's getting to an unpayable level and that's going to cause a lot of problems once you actually have to start paying this debt off or if you ever want to raise interest rates the government doesn't want to raise interest rates because it has so much debt and a lot of that debt is short-term debt uh, monthly treasuries reset their interest rate every month because they're monthly so the, it'll expire and then the government would renew that debt via new bonds and the new bonds would be at the new interest rate so the government definitely doesn't want that that debt to go up in interest but the only way to get out of this bubble is to raise interest rates and and unwind the fed's balance sheet but that's so politically unpalatable and would surely be a, a great way to get a lot of these politicians out of office because people would be so upset and they would be so hurt in the short term because they're over leveraged and the only thing protecting them right now is more debt and more leverage from the government and the federal reserve backing the federal government so it's it's a totally messy situation that's very difficult to get out of so what can someone do to protect themselves because eventually this has to come down. It can't just keep going. It could go for a while longer, maybe decades. It's hard to say with any certainty because this is kind of unprecedented territory for the United States to get to this level of money printing and and, uh, and and deficit spending. Hey listeners, don't forget that you can get three free stocks by signing up for free accounts on Webull and Robinhood. Both of them are free stock brokerages with commission-free trades including options trading for those of you looking to hedge your portfolio or make exorbitant bets on the stock market. In all seriousness, by signing up for Webull, you can get a stock worth up to $1,400 when you sign up. You can get a stock worth up to $200 when you sign up with Robinhood. It's risk-free money, people, so go and get it. You can close your accounts right after getting the stocks if you really want to, so definitely check them out and get your free money before it's too late. Back to the show. So how would someone protect themselves in this situation? So you, ha you have to be ready for the worst, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm not a financial advisor, and you should definitely do your own research when making any investment or financial decision, but I would prepare for the worst. And the worst could be two things. One of those is hyperinflation. That's where the government just keeps printing and never stops printing because it once it sees this as an opportunity to basically deleverage. But it does that by inflating, pri by, by printing money and causing inflation, which makes the value of its fixed rate debt much lower, and then it could easily pay it off, but it's at the expense of literally everyone else. The other one is what we'll call rapid deleveraging or higher taxes. That's the other alternative. 
where the government will raise taxes, spending will drop dramatically, prices would probably drop dramatically as well because so much money would be being taken out of the economy via taxes to pay off all of this debt that's currently held by the Federal Reserve and investors worldwide in a lot of places. It would help those U.S. investors who hold uh, treasure, who hold treasuries as cash equivalents, but mostly it would be paying off the debt that the government itself holds, which is a goofy situation, but that's where we're at. So that would be the other alternative. And really the solution to both of those is pretty much the same thing, and that's to buy and hold assets. You don't want to hold, you you really don't want to hold cash. Uh, maybe you want to hold cash in a deleveraging situation, but you really want to make sure that you have something of value going into either of these crises that will eventually happen. I don't know when. It could be well after we're dead. Who knows? But it's going to have to happen at some point. There's just no way that this debt can keep ballooning out of control without one of these things happening. But buying and holding assets in the hyperinflation situation, the asset itself would rise with that inflation. So at least you'd keep the, the, the value in that asset and it would it would go up in price, not necessarily value, but it would keep up with inflation, ideally, if you bought something like gold or even stocks. As the value of the dollar decreases, that asset stays the same. And because the, the value of the dollar is decreasing, the price of that asset would also rise. So you'd, you'd at least maintain your position in a way. It would look like you're getting rich on paper, but you're not because the dollar is just becoming worth less. So that's the solution to hyperinflation. It's holding assets and just waiting it out as long as you can because hyperinflation is nasty it causes lots of shortages because people will keep buying things because they expect the price to go up the next day and it's it's a terrible situation and the only people who make it out okay are those who can hold assets through it and then they have something at least when they get on the other side people who hold cash and don't get rid of their cash to buy assets or buy you can even call food an asset in a hyperinflation uh, situation People who don't buy that stuff get wiped out. People's life savings get wiped out because they're holding cash and the cash becomes worthless. It's not as though when the government prints more, you're, you're maintaining the same value of cash. The exact opposite happens. Inflation eats away at the value of your dollar. So any dollar that you had before is going to be worth less by the time you get through it. So you'd want to put that in something that actually is protected by inflation. Maybe, maybe something like gold or stocks, like I mentioned. Something that has historically risen with inflation. It could always change. But we'd expect that to happen, and it's definitely not the case that your dollar would make would actually rise with inflation. The exact opposite happens. The dollar becomes weaker and worth less with inflation. So that's the hyperinflation situation. Now for the rapid deleveraging high taxes situation, that's a little trickier because the government's taking money away from you and is paying off debt. So it's taking stuff out of the economy and prices will typically decrease. So in that situation, you probably would want to hold cash because the cash would actually rise in value relative to everything else as, as it goes down your purchasing power would actually increase because things become cheaper so uh, but in in a in sort of a weird twist if that happens if, if things really become much cheaper people would buy more of those things if they had enough money left depends on how high these taxes get and if people were spending again because things got cheaper you would expect inflation to start kicking in again, whereas prices would be rising because the prices would decrease so quickly that things would become more attractive for people to buy and anyone with cash going into it or with assets going into it can actually buy things much more quickly and can actually buy more things than they could before. So 
both of them involve having assets going into the into the problem. Uh, even if you, I'll just use gold as an example because it's kind of like a quasi currency, and maybe that'll be what's used to back the next the next U.S. dollar if the current one gets destroyed, which could happen. We'll see. I, I've covered that on on, the, on my channel, my YouTube channel before, where I talk about how why so many rich investors are fleeing to gold right now because they think the, they think central banks around the world are going to keep printing and this fiat currency will become, will become worthless and then this gold at least will maintain its value in the meantime and it's relatively safe investment compared to many other things at least historically it's gone up quite a bit in recent months it's going to probably keep going up as stuff keeps getting printed so and then if any governments return to the gold standard they're going to there's going to be a huge spike in demand for gold on that front, too. So there's a lot of attractive values to gold right now, given the current global financial situation. So if you have gold going into a high-tax situation, that gold might go down in value as demand for it shrinks because cash becomes uh, uh, worth more as goods become cheaper relative to the dollar. So even if you're, maybe your gold would decrease or maybe it would stay sideways. But either way, you have something that you can liquidate into cash, if if uh, if it's deemed appropriate. If you if we're not running into a hyperinflationary environment, you could just sell your assets and get back into cash, which is technically an asset. I don't like calling it an asset, but it is. I don't like calling it an asset right now, just given the massive amount of inflation, because it's it's really a depreciating asset 95% of the time. But sometimes it's deflationary, and and then it's an appreciating asset, and then it's worth more once you get through that period. So, going into a high tax situation, if you had if you had reserves or, or other assets ready to go, you could sell them off in a cash, and then watch as your purchasing power increases. That would be great too for you. So, going into either situation with assets is really the best way to protect yourself, and that's easier said than done for a lot of people who maybe have a ton of debt right now paying off high interest debt is always a good bet. Uh, even because you never know if we're actually going to get into hyperinflation. If we get into hyperinflation, then all debt will pretty much get wiped out unless you have variable rate debt. You have to be very careful with that, especially in a situation where we have super low interest rates. It can be easy to be lulled into a false sense of security. I have a home equity, home equity uh, line of credit. It's a variable rate loan. I have to be very careful with that, that I don't max everything out on that, and then don't have cash to pay at least most of that off right away. Because if we get into hyperinflation, you bet that the Fed will probably raise interest rates with that pretty substantially. That's what they did in the 70s to try and control stagflation. When inflation was really high, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates very high to try and combat it, to slow down spending. So if that happened, your variable rate loan that's pegged to something like the federal funds rate that the Fed controls, all of a sudden you have a big problem. Because now you're, you're 2% HELOC goes all the way up to 10 or 12 or however high it can possibly go in a in a bad uh, hyperinflation situation. So you have to be very careful with variable rate loans. So if you had kind of a hierarchy to go off of right now, since rates are really low, it's not necessarily a problem to hold variable rate debt. You just have to have assets ready to go to sell that you can liquidate easily to pay off that variable rate debt because variable that variable rate is an interest rate risk. That interest rate can change, and that can really throw a wrench into your finances. So you have to be very careful with that. So that would be my final word of advice—not financial advice, but my, my we'll call it my wisdom, if I have any. That that's that would be my approach going into this, since we're going to get a bad result either way. It's going to be hyperinflation or something like that, or high taxes. 
or maybe a combination of both. That would be that would be pretty rough. But the government's going to have to pay off all this debt legitimately in, in one way or another, and that's either printing money and causing inflation, or raising taxes and causing deflation potentially. So going into either situation, you want to have assets. You want to have assets that can either appreciate with inflation or that can be easily liquidated into cash if we get uh, deflation and prices uh, decreasing. And then, of course, be very careful of variable rate loans and pay them off quicker rather than later if you're worried about them or if you don't have a lot of assets to cover them in the event that we get an interest rate spike. So that would be my final word on that. But in general, what the government's doing is very dangerous. I think people are giving the government a little too much credit that it can actually solve all these problems just by taking out tons of debt and without causing other problems. Because that's really, it, it's it's not as though this is all positive. Sure, if the government takes out a bunch of debt now and, and uses it to, to help some people in the short term, it is helping them in the short term. But at what cost? That's what no one's really asking. No one is asking at what cost. Even if it helps someone for a month or two, it's going to, it has to harm them in the future in some way, or their kids. It's it's going to cause harm because it needs to be paid. And if it's not being invested in something that actually produces a real return, like if it's just being thrown into some sort of inefficient operation that's not actually producing anything, or, or, or just goes into welfare checks for people who otherwise would be productive working, um, but are no longer working because their their benefits are so high, right now, which is unfortunately the case for a lot of uh, lower wage workers right now, it makes way more sense to stay on welfare. I don't blame them at all. Because if the, if the federal government's going to pay you more than what you were going to be making working your actual job, why on earth would you go back? This is way easier just to take take the helicopter money from the government. And and we're seeing that right now that government or that businesses are ready to open, but they can't even get their workers to come back because why would they get off of unemployment? It makes no sense right now. Now the federal benefit will technically end in July, but the, the federal government's also the effect that is the federal uh, boost to unemployment insurance will end at the end of July. But the government's already talking about adding more stimulus and adding more debts to prop up this economy for as long as possible. That is as long as it can keep sort of up until November when we have election season. And then, I'm guessing a lot of these programs will just kind of stop coming out and we'll, then we'll probably see a real collapse by then. But I think right now the government's putting the, the pedal to the metal to just try and th throw money at this problem. But it's not money they have. It's the money from our future to try and keep asset prices high and keep people as happy as they could be for the short term so that they'll vote for them. That's that's really the short term interest that we have. The incentives are pretty wacky with our government and really a lot of governments throughout the world. You're always going to have. A give and take when it comes to government incentives, but that's kind of what we're facing right now. So that's all I've got for today. If you like this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. I have a couple of great guests lined up in the coming weeks, including my very next guest, who will be Tom with Investing with Tom, the YouTube channel, and we'll be talking about value investing and the strategies that he uses even in this strange market environment. And then, of course, just another reminder to check out jackduffley.com slash OPR book for more information about my book, The One Property Retirement, which is slated to be published this August. If you want to help me with the final draft and get a free final version for yourself, check out that page and join my private Facebook group linked to that page. Again, that's jackduffley.com slash OPR book. Really excited to be in the final stages of this book, but until next time, take care.
Thanks for listening to The Jack Duffley Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss any new episodes. For more content on personal finance, real estate, and other topics, check out jackduffley.com.